Next! Buck, what are you doing? Give her a gas for a year! Buck, that's only for customers that buy new Nissans. Oh. Right now at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan, get free gas for one full year with the purchase of a new Nissan from the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We won't sell you a car, we'll help you buy one. Every snowflake is different. The same is true when it comes to winter tires. Here at the new Lloydminster Nissan, we have tires that are better on snow and ice, while some have better traction in heavy snow and some last longer. Not one tire does it all. But here at the new Lloydminster Nissan, we find you the tires that best work for you and your winter driving. And even better than that, you'll love the price. With all our tires, it costs. Safety and savings here at the new Lloydminster Nissan with our winter tire sale. Go online at NissanLloydminster.com. Book in your winter tire install now. At the new Lloydminster Nissan, we won't sell you a car or tires. We'll help you buy one. This is Lloydminster Show. This is local that matters to you. Local people. Local events. Local news and sports. For Lloydminster and area, this is Live with Kurt Price from the new Lloydminster Nissan. Hey, welcome in the new Lloydminster Nissan, where a free gas for one full year has been extended. Uh, you get down to the new Lloydminster Nissan, you purchase your new vehicle, you get free gas for one full year. But as the uh, commercial showed, it has to be with the purchase of a new vehicle here at the new Lloydminster Nissan. And if you're looking for pre-owned, we have a great selection of pre-owned on the lot right now as well. well it looks like it's going to be another nice day today, uh, leading into a little cooler week with a lot of snow on the way. Of course, I won't care because I won't be here. I am heading to Mexico. So next week, it will be Lenny and Maria from Spiros that will be uh, hosting the uh, show. And so by the time I come back, people will probably say, uh, why do we get this guy back? Why can't we just leave it with the two girls hosting uh, the show? <laughs> but uh, the Border City Collector Show is one of the shows that uh, they'll be talking about. They'll be talking to Don Whiting as well as Brad Bogutsky about the Border City Collector show, which has been away for two years and returns on Saturday, March 11th from 9 to 6. $5 is admission, $15 for families to get in. BorderCityCollectors.com if you want more information or check out the show on Tuesday when Maria and Eleni have to pronounce Brad Bogutsky and pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Mountjoy Snow Resort has another night of night skiing on the hill tonight. Uh, that runs from 6 until 9, and once again, you'll be able to enjoy a, a nice cold beer on the hill, and Spiros is delivering hot pizza to the hill as well. Uh, season passes are welcome. You might still be able to get them, but you better hurry. Mountjoyresort.com. Tonight is the final night. Uh, B. Fisher Foundation is an online auction going on right now at bfisherauction.com. Uh, marketing manager Kim Crockett joined us from the B. Fisher Foundation and says if you're going to bid now, you better hurry. So the auction, uh, we're just at, pretty much at the halfway point right now on 
8 o'clock this Saturday night, so March the 4th. That is when it all wraps up. So if you've got an eye on anything, you know, this is the time to start taking a look and seeing where the bidding is going. If you haven't, if you've just gone on and just taken a look, but you haven't done anything more, you do have to register to bid. Just like any other auction, you got to register. So get on there early. Make sure you're registered for the bidding and then start keeping an eye on those items. Put some bids in, but she's all going to wrap up on uh, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Still lots of great deals at bfisheraction.com. Another chase, the ace draw was held this week with, once again, no ace coming out. Well, I shouldn't say that. There was an ace. It was the wrong ace that was uh, drawn. So the jackpot is expected now to reach $100,000 by a Wednesday at 7.30. And there are 37 cards remaining in the deck. www.loydex.com. Tickets are starting at just $10 each. And you can get a subscription. So if the ace isn't one, you can roll your $10 or your $25 or your $50 or your $100 over because you can increase your odds the more tickets that you buy. Uh, Kids Scotty Sports and Event Center has launched a new fundraiser called the Clunker Dunker, and uh, you get better odds the more uh, times that you pick. They have parked a van just outside of Kids Scotty on a slough, and they are going to be able to tell through the modern age of technology just when exactly that vehicle hits the water, busts through the ice and hits the water. And they're going to give away half of the proceeds. So they're selling in 10-minute intervals and you can go to clunkerdunker.com and pick your 10-minute interval on the day you think that that van is going to go through. And keep in mind March is not supposed to be exactly a real warm month. And if you do miss out, you can always go back and buy another chance to uh, win half of the jackpot. So that's all in support of the new Kid Scotty Sports and Events Center. Uh, Lloyd Mister is also building a new, what uh, the mayor called when he was on the program was a new event center. And they're hoping to start construction as early as this spring. As soon as the ground thaws, basically they like to get this uh, started. Uh, what size that arena will be is still a little bit up in the air. But some people are asking a lot of questions like why not build a new pool instead um, other questions have come up, like what happens to other charities who are fundraising at the same time as they're trying to raise some funds to build this a new arena. Well, you can check out Wednesday's show and check it out you, wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to it, or of course, you can find it on the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan YouTube page or Facebook page. But one of the big concerns has been public transportation in Lloydminster. Now, they did a survey a little while ago, and they're going to announce the results of that survey soon. But people are asking, hey, if we don't have public transportation, why build a 45 to 5,000 seat arena? If during a major concert, could we work with the school boards and put 20 school buses on from the mall and from the West End and from school parking lots? It could be done. We just need to be, how creative can we be to answer the solutions? And again, City Council, working with administration, we're open to discussions and solutions like that if that's what we can make work. But we've got to have that need right now. Right now... We've got the Civic Center. We don't have public transportation. Depending on the event, the place is rocked right to the walls. So, you know, it's, it is a concern, and we're going to address that concern through public transportation because we need a made in Lloydminster solution again to, to deal with it because we're not the city of Edmonton. We're not the city of Saskatoon. We're the city of Lloydminster, and we want to ensure that what we do meets the needs of the community without blowing the bank. 
Again, you can listen to that show wherever you get your podcasts or check it out uh, on the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan Facebook page. Uh, the Stitch and Bitch is something that started during the Second World War where ladies would get together and they would do knitting, crocheting, while they are going to uh, bring it back here in Lloyd Mr. They've already had one and they're hoping to hold the Stitch and Bitch uh, the second Tuesday of every month. So March 14th in March and... Uh, that you can cross stitch if you like, you can do whatever you like while you have that conversation and you can find more information on the startup Lloydminster Facebook page. The annual Paradise Hill Snowmobile Rally is today. The cost is $25 per person. You can still get 50-50 tickets. Go to paradisehillcommunitycenter.com to purchase your 50-50. Also on today, Border City Farmer's Market goes till uh, four o'clock. That's over at the Service Sports Center. It's a busy place today, but I know a lot of people like to make their annual rounds on a Saturday. So just a reminder happening today, if you want to go get your baking and get uh, filled up with whatever else goodies they have. And there is a lot there today. A lot of tables set up today. Uh, the Play Forward Hockey Game is back on April 21st. It's a 12-hour broadcast, also a 12-hour hockey game. Of course, myself and Greg Buchanan will be broadcasting that hockey game, raising funds, hopefully $65,000 for Border City Connects. You can come watch it. This year, it's at the Service Sports Center on April the 21st with four teams competing. Border City Rotary Club, PWM Steel, present Irish Pub Night, the Cabaret Edition, on Friday, March the 17th, which, of course, is St. Patty's Day. Garrett Gregor will be performing, and we had Lenny the Leprechaun join us, as well as Maria Kokonas on Thursday, and they told us there is a way to save money. Buy your tickets now. We've had everything from trying to chew up a bunch of Lucky Charms, a cup full of Lucky Charms and whistle before the next guy, to uh, peeling potatoes. We, we, every year it's a bit of a surprise what we do. Uh, there's always chugging from the rubber boot. And, uh, do we wash that rubber boot between? Yes, it gets, it gets sterilized, put away, <laughs> sealed up in a vault until every year we bring it back out. And uh, I personally am in charge of that, so I have, I have a commercial kitchen next to the potato bin and we we clean it up real good so yeah okay. <laughs> uh, where can you get tickets how much are they so tickets are on eventbrite right now uh you can cash in on the early bird tickets for 45 dollars, which is a great deal and then after the 13th of um march they are 55 dollars, and you can also buy them at the door okay but we'd love to have you buy them ahead of the game Myself and Heather Clegis will be your MCs for that night. And the Spring Sport and Leisure Show, formerly you know it as Showcase, is coming up on March 24th through 26th at the Lloyd Mr. Exhibition. The show is held in conjunction with the Sellers RV Indoor Super Sale and features boats, motorcycles, home and cabin renovations, uh, reptiles for the kids, uh, lawn care, hot tubs, and a whole lot more. Admission is just $10 with $1,200 getting in for free. For more information, go to LloydX.com. Billy J. Miller is here. She is a local author who I'm pretty sure could get some ideas for another new book if she went to Stitch and Bitch on March the 14th. But uh, uh, she's a local author that focuses on rural living, on farm wives and now farm kids. And we are going to talk about her latest book when we come back here at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan, which is entitled Farm Kids. It would appear that... The butler did it. But this isn't a whodunit film. It's a Nissan sales event. Now that's a killer deal. 
Good thing this Rogue has a VC turbo engine, unlike RAV4. Now get a low $2.99 per month lease on Rogue. Catch these offers while you can. It's more than just taxes at LNA CPA. Assurance, accounting, retirement planning, estate planning, business consulting, financial consulting, farm program support, and bookkeeping. But yes, there is always taxes. The team at LNA CPA is committed to helping you achieve your best results and will be there to assist you every step of the way. LNA CPA, with offices in Provost, Vermilion, and Lloydminster. How can you help support the oil and gas industry and jobs in Western Canada? The answer is closer than you think. Sell your scrap metals to PWM Steel. PWM sells scrap iron to Evraz, located in Regina. Evraz's number one customer is the energy sector, building pipes and plates for the oil and gas industry. PWM Steel is your locally owned metal recycler and steel service center in the area. Plus, they're a strong supporter of the community. PWM Steel, your top steel supplier for Alberta and Saskatchewan for 40 years. At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high-quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering Smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with a Canadian-made, award-winning line of House of Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. While it is good to look at how much has changed in banking since the first Saskatchewan Credit Union was formed in the 30s, it is just as important to look at what has stayed the same. We are with you through thick and thin, rooted in tradition and honest values, and driven by innovation to help reach your financial goals. This commitment to you has defined our entire story, which will never change. That's a promise. Stay tuned. It's only going to get better. Welcome back inside the new Lloydminster Nissan. Our guest today is Billy J. Miller. She's a local author. Uh, she has written several books, mostly about rural living, I would say, and uh, farm wives in particular. Two books on uh, farm wives. The first one was so popular, she wrote a second one. Also wrote a kid's book about uh, 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 puddles. Bubbles. Bubbles. Yeah. Why did I think it was puddles? <laughs> That's okay. Bubbles. Bubbles. And now has written a new book about farm kids and not just today's farm kids, but looking back at, uh, at uh, you know, some of our seniors and what it was like to grow up on a farm, which you can imagine. Uh, some of the stories even my mom has told me about some of their toys and, and stuff like that. But we are going to get into that. First, I do want to talk about um, where this, like, where this came from, where this idea to focus on rural living came from for you? Well, for me, it came from uh, marrying a fourth generation farmer, to be honest. Um, I was transplanted from city living to what I thought would be, I, I thought I had lived in the city so long, I thought that I would settle there. I was sure I would settle there. And I which, would never, which city? I had lived in Calgary for 10 years. And then I, most recently, I lived in Edmonton for six, working for the government of Alberta. Truly never thought I'd leave, like, I, you know, I would maybe move cities, but I really didn't think I'd ever be a rural living person. I thought that living in the city would kind of be my life. But then I met a farmer who happened to be from Paradise Valley area in the summer of 2009. 
And now we're here. <laughs> so it comes full circle a little bit. And uh, like, so if you worked for the government for quite a while. Uh, so Six you're years. you're a little bit older when you moved <laughs> to the farm. <laughs> so you never got to be a farm kid. No. But now you have farm kids of your own. I do. Are they included in this book? They absolutely are. Yeah. Were they the inspiration for the book? Who, who inspired you? Oh, yeah. A big part of it was, you know, being able to have something in my kids' hands what they could, that they could look back on when they grew up and have, you know, representative of their life growing up. I can I completely understand that. Um, did you know when you wrote Farm Wives that this is the direction you wanted to go? Like, did you think to yourself, because, I, I, you know, I have to, I have to say I've, I know why you wrote the Farm Wives book because you have a great appreciation for Farm mm -hmm. Wives, Right. But did you know when you were writing that book, did you say, hey, there's some more other stories here that kind of come to, uh, you know, that are being told that I could actually write another book? Right. Um, I definitely knew I wasn't going to stop writing. I had once I kind of proved to myself, I guess, that you could actually that I could write a book. You know, it's definitely something I, I grew up dreaming of. I always wanted to be a writer, whether or not I, I thought I could put that, you know, make that real was a different story but once I proved to myself that I could write a book I could self-publish it and you know having it be successful as I think is your own terms right like will it ever be a New York bestseller of course not but you know it I guess made my community proud it made the women who were in the books proud and that was really my bottom line right yep. and uh, I made my money back I guess you could say you know and that's really all that I wanted was to be able to have these women see their lives in a book and feel proud of that and know that their contributions really did mean something so to answer your question I did know I wanted to keep writing the farm kids specifically wasn't exactly in my mind just yet but it, it wasn't too long and it, and it was uh, take us through your books like we're going to sure. get to farm kids yeah. but take us through the first one take us through the first farm wives sure i'd be happy to so farm wives in profile 17 women 17 candid questions about their lives photos and recipes was truly um i handpicked the women in my community there were a couple from outs you know outside the early district specifically but um it was really just women from rural Lloydminster area. And again, it was just, it was truly a resemblance and a reflection of the love I have for the community that I married into. Like, um, I really have a hard time finding the words. Well, I don't because I have four books, I guess. So I find some <laughs> words, but um, I fell in love with the community that I lived in. The deep roots, the long histories is what I always talk about and what I always go back to because that to me is, you know, something as simple, Kurt, as a hockey game that we go to in Paradise Valley. I'll sit there and I watch my daughter play now. She's nine, my youngest. She's nine. My oldest girl is 11. But we go down there for their hockey game. We had their last home game last weekend. And I remember feeling, I'm like, oh, it's the last home game of the season. I was so sad because they're just so much fun, whether they win or lose. You watch me and the rest of the parents of this generation. You watch... It, like the grandparent game is strong at rural hockey games around here. I'm sure you've seen that. Yep. The grandparents all go to play and you hear the grandparents laughing as they watch the grandkids talking about when it was their sons, you know, playing years, years before that or whatever. And it's just, you know, you watch the circle continue and that is so beautiful for me. And that was my heart truly behind my first book. My second book was a continuation of that, but because the first book, all the women were between 55 and 90, 
So I wanted to tell those traditional stories about what life is like as a farm wife. Tell me about the hardest parts. Tell me about the best parts. You know, what advice would you give women marrying farmers today? And then I got their handwritten recipes because how could you not, right? They're the best. <laughs> they really are the best. Everybody has something they're the best at. Yeah, yeah. really. Best at cooking this, best at baking this. Absolutely. And yeah. it's so many of these memories remind people of something. They remind you of your grandma. They remind you of your favorite auntie. You know, different or Easter's as you grew up or, you know. So it was really lovely to be able to put all that into a book. And that's really the heart of the first one. The second book, um, Farm Wives 2, an inspiring look at the lives of the new Canadian farm wives, I called it. And now that book is all similar premise, photographs, interviews and recipes, but it's for women with women from the next generation. So the women are younger than 60 for the most part. And I also thought it would be interesting to span across Canada. So still lots and lots of local women, but I interviewed women from other farms, other provinces, and telling kind of different stories about their lives on their farms, like cattle farms and, and a lot of uh, chicken farms and, you know, farms from Newfoundland, you know, talking about fish fries and things like that. Completely different. Totally different. Still honoring the stories here, but also I just felt like I wanted to widen the lens a little bit and talk about the farming life throughout the country, really. So, yeah. Then you wrote a kid's book. I did. Yeah. Kids book happened upon us, really. And uh, COVID, as we know, COVID shut us all down. Kind of a true story is what it's I what I really seen. a true story. Yeah. yeah. So we have a Bernie's Mountain dog. Her name's Bubbles. And at the time it was during COVID. But at the time we um, were renovating our home. So me and my husband and our two daughters, we live on what was the original homestead of Miller Farm established in 1911. So as you know, a lot of those homes are fixer uppers. Hey, and so yeah. our is a 1965 new build of his grandparents and so time had come where we needed to make it our forever home so we were renovating it we had to actually relocate but our dog is so loyal to that yard you know and because my husband's a farmer he was going to be back every single day working so we decided let's not move bubbles to where we're renting let's leave her on the farm where she knows and is comfortable and everybody's there every single day, so she get lots of attention and love. So that is what we did. She made it the entire eight months without an incident that we had been relocated. The very last day before we were moved to move home, I kid you not, Bubbles saw Dean, Bubbles the Bernese Mountain Dog, saw Dean driving with his pickup north on our range road towards the highway, and she thought, hmm, I'm gonna go follow Dad and see where he's going. So she followed him, Dean, unbeknownst to Dean, she drives up to the highway. A woman happens to be driving by who is a animal lover, a kennel owner from Red Deer. She works shift work at the upgrader. She was driving home for days off and then she was going to be returning. So anyway, she gets uh, happens upon Bubbles on the highway and sees this beautiful dog and thinks to herself, this dog's going to have an accident. This dog's going to get hit. Why is she on the highway? Not really thinking to herself that, you know, farm dogs aren't lost. They're just out for a little walk, right? Yeah. Bubbles would have turned around and went back home. But so she pulled over. Well, my dog, not seeing us as normally as usual, is like, woo, she's friendliest dog in the world. Like I always tell Dean, I said, you know, how many would-be robbers has pet her, <laughs> right? As she's not guarding our farm. Yeah. But anyway, so... This woman had pulled over and she started petting Bubbles. And long story short, 
she picked her up. She didn't have the heart to leave her. So she picked her up, put her in the back of the truck, drove along the highway, stopping at a couple of farms, asking, hey, does this dog belong to you? When they all said no, she kept driving. Thinking to herself, in her, her theory, is she's going to take the dog with her home, she'll pop on Facebook, see if she could find out who owns the dog, and she'll bring her back when she comes back to work on Sunday. So this book was a completely self-published mission. I had taken a class on uh, how to fully self-publish your book yourself. Like, I'm talking the cover, the photographs, the book setup, every single thing, because these had help. Like, I had a company that helped me self-publish the first two Farm Wives books. So I thought, you know, it's COVID. I got my girls at home, they're not at school. We're gonna self-publish this book and we're gonna see if we can write our first kids book. So that's what I did. Oh, that's the book awesome. tells the story about bubbles being picked up and the long winding adventure of how we thank goodness have her back and she's back on the farm happy and <laughs> living with us to this day. So, but it was wild. Awesome. <laughs> and now you've write, wrote a book called, uh, called Farm Kids, Stories of Our Lives. And you included, as we mentioned, uh, stories from your own kids. Mm -hmm. And, okay, so what made you go, yeah, this is a yeah. book? Um, really, you know, I think it was one of the biggest pieces is that romanticized version of I would love for my kids. You know, my kids are coming out of an age, and but still in it where they love their life. They love life on the farm. They have always said, you know, I feel like when you become a teenager and stuff like that, very often, you know, you'll be, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to move. I can't wait to live in the city. They are at the place where, and I don't know that it'll, maybe it'll end sometime, but maybe it won't. They love their life on the farm. And they often talk about how they never want to move. They often talk about how horrible it would be to live in the city. Things like that, you know. <laughs> As my daughter and you're Katie. like, hey, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, exactly, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I kind of, that was that was the heart of it. You know, I wanted to kind of recollect some of these great stories they have about living on the farm and tell those stories. Um, but also, there's a big piece of me that wanted to educate people who don't live on the farm. You know, um, as you know, as well as I do, there's a pretty big divide out there, I think, between rural and urban living. Um, where your food comes from, all of that kind of thing. We hear about this all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, granted I had stints as, you know, growing up, I did graduate high school from Lloydminster. So, I mean, I knew about farms. I had lots of farming friends, that kind of a thing. But once you live in the city for so long, you know, and the people that you meet, they really don't know anything about it. And so I, I think a big part of it was also wanting to educate people and say, hey, you know, here's some stories about us. Is it a local project or did you, like you mentioned in your second mm -hmm. book, you went right across right. the country, basically. Did you do that with uh, farm kids or is it mostly people that live within a certain radius of Lloydminster? Right. I say uh, with farm kids, I did also include some people from other places as well, mostly because of the contacts I had from the other, other two books. But uh, no, this one I would definitely say is 
brought back to more local. Again, I've got 27 people in total and over half of them are all local from the Lloydminster area. Is there one particular story you can share with us from the book that, oh, that surprised yeah. you or, or shocked you or, or made you go, wow, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we now have indoor plumbing. <laughs> oh, big time. Absolutely. Like one of the questions I ask, um, all of the kids, quote unquote kids in this book is, uh, you know, tell me about a tell me about a typical day from you after you get home from school. What does that day look like? I'd say the days of what the kids look like now are pretty different compared to what the I days bet. looked like in the 30s and 40s, right? As you went outside to milk your cow and went outside to do all these things, often before school, before you could get to school. Um, I think the ability to have these clear-minded interviews from centenarians in this book is something that is probably my favorite piece because I've always been attracted to, you know, conversations with older people. It just, like, I volunteer at the LCC and I feel like it's, I wish I could do it more, you know what I mean? I could sit and spend all day with an elder just listening to the stories they tell you. So to be able to have some of them recollect their life you know, and some of the key memories of their mom, things like that, you know. But, you know, favorite, my favorite interviews truly are the ones from the kids that I know. You know, like I got a lot of the kids um, that go to school with my daughters and stuff. And I know them. I know their parents. And, you know, I asked a little guy named Max Merrill. He's from Paradise Valley. His dad is actually came from Denmark and uh, him, he married Sheena and they live down in Paradise Valley and they're absolutely hilarious. And I asked their son, what's the best, what's the best thing about your mom? And he sat back and he looked and he said, oh, I'd have to say probably that she goes to town and gets a lot of groceries, <laughs> you know? And I mean, isn't that the perfect story of a farm wife too, right? Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. Just... <laughs> so I think my favorite interviews truly are the ones of the kids that I know, you know, because you know those little people and you know their parents and it's just the best. When it comes to, you mentioned about, you know, uh, getting that information out there. I think COVID helped that where people went, okay, I do have to support local. I do have to buy mm -hmm. a little more local and understand that uh, my eggs aren't just all of a sudden going to magically appear yeah. on a shelf in the grocery store sort of thing. So um, when you mention that to, to uh, especially older people, mm -hmm. what was what was the reaction when you said, hey, I want to get this this out there too? Like, how did you ask that question? Well, what I did, the source of that question really came from that came from a mission a long time ago where I had been kind of starting the early stages of research for this book. And one thing I wanted to know, once I decided I wasn't just going to interview present day kids, that I wanted to talk to kids from the, you know, from history as well. Um, I wanted to know, like, if there was one thing that non, you wanted non-farmers to know about you, what would it be? And that's, that was the question. And that's where it came from. And so what I had actually done is I had put that question on social media, on my business Facebook page. And I said, question for all of you. I said, if there's one thing you wish not in farmers knew about you, what would that be? And it got shared. Like it got shared far and wide through so many different, you know, agriculture pages on social media and stuff. It had I forget how many impressions because social media is not my favorite thing to have to do, but um, a lot of impressions, you know. And so that's really where it came from, because that's what I wanted them to know. Or that's what I want want city people to know is the heart 
behind farmers and these farm families. They're not doing it because it's the only thing they know how to do. They're not doing it because, you know, they just never wanted to move to the city. They're doing it because, you know, it, it's a it's a lifestyle and it's one they want to raise their family in. So many of these people, they educated themselves already. They moved to the city. They got their college degrees, their university degrees, and they just wanted to come back because that is where they want to raise their families, you know, and they want to do it in their way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening. And I think that that was a beautiful story worth sharing. You get any stories from that, uh, that Facebook post? Did you, did you contact any of these people? Okay. Hey, I want you to expand on that. Well, actually, I did. Well, I didn't really because so many of them, there were honestly just so many, but I expanded on it in the sense that I asked the people I decided to interview for the book. Yeah, I asked them like, you know, you know, what, is, what do you think is the most, you know, let's say, um, I guess the biggest stereotype. What do you, you know, those kinds of questions too, I think was really important. So different levels of like um, resentment to... Ah, I don't care if anybody knows what I do. And, and some people are like, yeah, yeah, you know, it kind of it kind of makes me a little, it irks me a little bit that people yeah. don't understand, you know, how hard it is to to do what we do and the right. factors that go into it. Was that, was that the major thing? Was the factors that go into it? Or? I would think so. I think so. And actually, so, you know, not, not so much irked, but there were a lot of people, I think my husband even included, saying people don't understand that we can't just up and quit at 6 o'clock at night. We can't just go on holiday whenever a good seat sale comes upon WestJet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No advertisement intended. But, you know, like... Um, stuff like that, like you're kind of married to your job in a lot of senses. Um, and just like kind of getting that, how much commitment it takes from not just the farmer himself or herself, but the whole family attached to them. Right. Yep. And, uh, I think that was important. That's, that's, uh, you could probably write a book on that alone. Yeah. Like, Easy. yeah. Um, where can you get the book? You can get the book online um, on my website, billyjmiller.com. We'll kind of give you a nice full listing of everyone. But in Lloydminster specifically, you can get the book at Lloydminster Marketplace Co-op. Okay. And you can get it at Abbey Road Flower and Gifts. In Kit Scotty, you can get it at Farmstead Market as well. And up in Paradise Hill, you can get it at um, Ranchware Supply, Paradise Hill Ranch and Supply. And Paradise Valley? In Paradise Hill. Paradise, oh, Paradise Valley. Right, right, right. Yep, right, Paradise Valley, you can get it at PV Grad. PV Grad. Okay. Of course. Okay. What's next? You must have an idea. <sighs> I don't know if you want to share it with us or I you want to... I do. I have another idea to kind of... I mean, I, again, I don't know that I'll ever be finished writing books. Will it always be about farming? I'm not 100% certain, but there are so many stories there, and I, I love it here so much, and... I love telling these stories. Um, I, th I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I think another kid's book will probably be my next. Uh, me and my daughters have a little bit of an idea about that. Another funny story that happened on the farm. So I think we might maybe come up with another kid's book. And then who knows? Rural people are easy to talk to. Mm. I think that's the other thing that people might not realize is how welcoming they are. Oh, yeah. into into their homes. I yeah. mean, we do meals in the fields where we've done meals in the fields where it's rained and the farmer has said, well, why don't we just go in the house? Come to our place. Because there's 20 of us. <laughs> oh, we don't care. You know, we've done it. We've done them. Yeah. I, I think of Larry's near St. Walbrook where we were in, in the house. Yeah. Because it, it had poured the night before. Well, we're going to get stuck if we go out in the field and we didn't have time to clean, you know, 
it is actually after all harvest time. So let's just, let's just head in the house. Like people, rural people, if you, they're, they're so welcoming. Does that make writing? It must make writing super, like a lot easier. Oh yeah. Oh, it does. You know, the first book, um, if I was to write another farm wives book now. Do you I, think you could? Like just on the stories oh, alone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah. I could write. I remember being interviewed by somebody in Edmonton. And uh, she's like, I hope this is honestly one of a hundred book series. Like you could, there are just, and it's, and then when it came to farm kids talking to the elders, I could, I could seriously like just, you know, the show Land and Sea on CBC and they interview people and on the East Coast or whatever. I could do that throughout the prairies. I could sit at farm, you know, farmers kitchen tables and talk to them day after day after day and just get stories about their life before what they love about, you know, there's so much wisdom in those conversations. The women, the men, it doesn't matter what age, you yeah. know. There's so much wisdom in those people and they they don't give themselves enough credit for it, I believe. Well, tell them you're going to record it and it kind of changes. <laughs> yeah, that's then true. It, then they go, yeah. well, I don't know about that. Well, and that's true. Like, I think, you know, a couple of the women in my first book, once I told them, you know, oh, oh you actually want to write a book? Well, what do you want to put me in it? I haven't done anything. I'm just a farm wife. And that broke me because I just thought, you haven't done anything. You are incredible, you yeah. know? And, um, yeah, I could I could keep doing this forever. I love telling people stories. There are so many incredible people out there. And, you know, to be able to have these books in our museums and, and you know, passed down to our kids and things like that. You know, think of Farm Wives in Profile and... I think about that book in 50 years. I think about those books in 60 years, in 100, you know, like, I hope that they will just, I hope that they'll be just as appreciated as I appreciate them now. Whether it comes to farm wives or whether it comes to the kids on the farm, we know that the work has gotten a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, the work is still there, but my mm -hmm. goodness, like I went out to a threshing day in Lashburn and it oh, was boy. like, you know, after spending 10 minutes, uh, you know, with a pitchfork. Yeah. Like you, you understand like the, yeah. the Oh yeah. Other, yeah. other than the work getting easier somewhat. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's easy now. I understand. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, mm -hmm. but when it comes to, uh, what's the biggest difference you see from yeah. the, from, you know, the kids that back in the day to the kids now, or are they pretty much, do yeah. they have that same kind of resiliency, that same kind of, do they have that work mentality anyway? Um, what, what, and you could ask that for the farm wives too, and right. even for the farmers. Right. You know, is there much of a difference? Because, right. you know, if I talk to a farmer from, I guess when it comes to the same families, because we're always going out and doing yeah. meals in the fields, you see a lot of the same traits in the son that you see in the mm -hmm. in the dad, right? You, do. you get a quiet dad, you usually get a quiet son. Yeah. What, but but when it comes yeah. to like. This is a difficult question. I understand it's difficult, but, but... Well, it's difficult, but I also think it's a very interesting one, too, because, you know, and I could kind of look at it in a couple of different ways. Like, I did, I asked that question of the older people. Like, obviously, because the age in farm kids, the ages were so varied, it was different questions for these people, right? I'm not going to ask the same question to a 100-year-old as I am a 6-year-old. But I asked that question of the elders. I said, what is the biggest thing you've seen change in farm life in your lifetime because think about that ability we have to ask mm -hmm. you know surreal mouse he's 97 now and he's was my neighbor who now lives in Eiley but I asked him that question you know really like think of everything they've seen you know yeah 
And he said hydro. He had to really think about it for a few days. He said hydraulics, he thinks, was the biggest change. Yeah. You know, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think their life has 100% changed in the scope of, you know, like going back to that, what's a typical day like for you on a Saturday? What did you fill your time with on a Saturday? You know? Yeah. So I think that that's a good what question. They do changed, but them as people have not changed. I talked to that. Actually, another thing I want to bring up too is the creativity involved in getting these interviews was something that was super interesting too, because as much as I would have loved sitting down and having coffee with all of them, it was COVID. And so the creativity involved in interviewing them, the one little boy I spoke to was over zoom. Uh, two of one woman, my mother-in-law's mother, who's actually 101 now in Regina, again, she was locked down during COVID. She sent me her interview questions via handwritten letter. How beautiful was that, right? And then there was another gentleman who's passed away now, but he was in LCC and his family, as they went in to visit him, sat down and asked him these questions for me of my book and, and hand wrote the answers. So the creativity involved in getting these was really interesting as well. But, you know, I asked him about his Saturday and he'd be like, well, you know, once we got our work and tours done, we basically go out chasing girls. You know, <laughs> like he said the same thing at 90 some years old as a boy at 16 would say. Right? So, yeah, like, yeah. So really, people are just people. And, you know, going back to to that, you know, comfort level that you talk about with farmers, I 100 percent agree. And that's why I think the subjects for these books have just been so amazing. Right. The other thing, I, I, yeah. this might be a difficult question to answer too, but do you find um, when it comes to people growing up on farms, rural living, there's more communication with the kids? There's more, yes. there's, there's, there's a, I don't want to say love because everybody loves their kids, mm -hmm. but there's more, I wouldn't say it's touchy feely, but it's, it's more, there's definitely more communication. That's interesting. Yeah. And, I just kind of sensed and noticed how quickly that yes came out. But I do feel that. And even in the sense of your communication is increased, I think. Be, I feel like farm kids have such a, um, what's the word? They're more aware of life, the life and death cycle, for example. You know, like our kitchen table conversations that come up, I'm sure, are you know, way more in depth than what it may have had we lived in Edmonton, <laughs> you know, right, right. like they ask very, very interesting questions at calving time, you know, different things like that. Like they're when their animals die and they see it and they see why, and they want to know why. And, and yeah, I think that, and, and very often, um, you know, we don't work harder, but I, I think that we still work as long on the farm as, you know what I mean? Back mm -hmm. to your previous question. Like, I don't think anybody worked harder than the other, but I think that, you know, and our work's easier, you know, you got the combine now and the air conditioning and auto steer and all that kind of stuff, but the hours are still just as long. And so because those hours are just as long, you spend that time together as a family. It's involved in work, but it's as a family as well. And so, yeah, you're talking a lot. Well, just right? mealtime. Just as oh. you mentioned, you know, the things we talk about at supper, just yeah. sitting down and actually eating at the table and, yes. and having a discussion. All the time, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Anything I'm yeah. forgetting to ask about farm kids or farm um, wives or about the, uh, you know, about the dog too, about bubbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I just, yeah, these books have been such a joy for me to write. I think our community is magical. I so appreciate the work that you do because of that. And, you know, talking to people like I do, um, in farm life, we've got so such amazing stories. And I think people telling those stories is really important. And um, sharing the stories of your life and what you do on the farm and what you create and why you love it is so important. And I think everybody, every story that's shared will help to bridge that gap just a little bit more. And so whether or not you think you could do th something, we all can, you know. I think our life is beautiful. I think it's changing and, and these books reflect that, but at the same time, it's just as important as it always was. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. I'm so grateful for all the people that have told the stories for me and their stories for me and my books. The books wouldn't be without them. And um, yeah, it's just an honor for me to talk about them truly. When you write another book, come back and see us again. Oh, I'd love to. Awesome. That's Thank Billy you. J. Miller and uh, you can get the book well, just off the top of my head, yeah. Lloydminster District Co-op, Marketplace. Yeah. And Abbey Road Flowers and Gifts in Lloydminster. And you can go to billyjmiller.com and you can learn more about where my books are. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be, well, I won't be back. Uh, Tuesday is the next show. And as I mentioned, Eleni and Maria will be stepping in and they'll talking about the Port uh, City Collector Show. A reminder that the Regimental Ball is on tonight. And uh, that actually thought of that because one of the places that we went to for meals in the fields and we were the officer who is now on the farm and he said, come into the house. We'll, you know, we'll set up right at the kitchen table and stuff like that. And I think there was like 20 or so of us there. Yeah. So really appreciate it. So I do want to leave you with this though, for Jetstream Personnel Consulting, how do you even know where to start when you're thinking about something as big as a career change? Well, it starts with a call to Bev and her professional team at Jetstream Personnel Consulting. Jetstream will help you get your resume up to date and they work with local companies looking for local people just like you. Visit their website at jetstreampersonnel.com or better yet, give them a call 780-808-5736. And if if you're a local company looking to fill positions and finding yourself going around and around and around, you need to call as well and get help from Jetstream Personnel Consulting, 780-808-5736. So I'll be in Mexico next week. I will be uh, checking in whether we can get me on the show or not remains to be seen due to technology, but we'll try our best to kind of check in. There's 46 of us going from this area uh, down to Puerto Vallarta. We leave tomorrow morning. We get on a bus from Lloydminster at 6.30. We head to Edmonton and uh, we fly down together. We eat together. Um, every night there's different people to sit with. Uh, Swim-up bar is planned, of course. That's the biggest plan. And then we have a boat that we go out on. And people have already been asking me, are you going to do this again next year? The plan is to do this again next year. Of course, you know, we were supposed to fly out of Saskatoon. We were supposed to leave uh, February the 5th, but it got pushed back to uh, March the 5th uh, due to uh, lack of pilots and uh so it gives us something to look forward to. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this because we have a lot of great people that come with us. And I hope that you can join us next year because I'm pretty sure we're going to try to do it again. But I look forward to seeing you. My next show will be back with you on March the 14th. And we'll be talking about the CPCA and the upcoming NACC.